Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's good to have all of you here, as I mentioned, and I know we have several out at camp. And um, uh, go to slide 37, if you don't mind. I started uh, talking a couple of weeks ago about having a lasting change and kind of bled over into a couple Sunday mornings and this past Sunday morning talking about the power of the Holy Ghost and how powerful it was and what it is and this change or transformation or metamorphosis that can take place when we think in terms of how can we be different and most of us like Paul struggle with our flesh Paul talked about this in Romans he went through fifth chapter sixth chapter seventh chapter eighth chapter he also mentioned it brushed up against it in so many other of his books and writings and yet it was a constant struggle and he recognized that you know we were not supposed to be up and down and like uh, he I called it beach ball but he basically said that we should not be blown about with every wind or billowing wave and just sort of uh, buffeted up and down and yet that is the hour in which we're living with individuals not recognizing and re understanding the word of God, not basing their life on the word. In fact, I was interested as, um, I guess, uh, Jeopardy. I'm not that familiar with Jeopardy. I know it a, was a quiz show where uh, Alex Trebek was the guy I know. I don't know who does it now, but they would ask all these questions and it was hard, pick a category. And I guess uh, one of the questions that they asked this past um, week sometime was uh, fill in the blank. Uh, Matthew, the sixth chapter and the ninth verse says, our Father, which art in heaven, blank be thy name. And none of the three brainiac contestants could figure out the word hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. One of them called it, what is the Lord's Prayer? Another one said something else. And I didn't see the program. I don't know. I'm just reporting what was reported to me. And I'm like, that's, that's sad, you know, when you think. And yet, what we know is church attendance since COVID and church involvement since COVID, oh, has plummeted greatly. And not in just whether it's in this uh, in Ohio, whether it's in the Bible Belt, whether it's wherever, uh, not only here, but in the UK and over and over and over because 
You know, when you start basically allowing people to kind of say they get to choose what they want to be and who and how and all the above, basically you're ignoring God and you're not being thankful and you're not in some way acknowledging God. And because of that, we see that basically the Lord loses, if you will, his ability to correct. And I understand I, my, my mom and dad are still my mom and dad and they uh, happen to live in our basement and they will every once in a while tell me something to do or something they think I need to do and I can easily go, look, I'm, I'm well of age. I don't have to listen. How foolish would that be? On my part, how foolish would it be for me to say, I'm going to ignore any wisdom, any advice, any suggestion, anything that you would have to say. And yet, when we are young, whether it's 12 or 8 or uh, 7, we don't, can't wait till I can be the adult and make all the rules. And I can be the one to decide everything. And then as you get older, you begin to realize, you know what? There's a whole lot I don't get to decide. I don't get to decide whether or not I'll pay my taxes or I don't get to decide whether or not I'm going to drive a certain speed limit or I don't get to decide and I don't get to decide what time I want to go to work and where I will go to work. And I, I got <coughs> tickled that uh, I understand the times are changing. I heard a general testifying before a committee the other day, and and uh, he uh, said, uh, you know, they asked about the change of the new generation, and he said, well, when I was a, a soldier, uh, we were fortunate if we had a, a commanding officer tell us that we did a good job once a year. And he said, um, my commanding officers would tell you that uh, they didn't have a commanding officer tell them good job ever. And he said, then uh, about, oh, 20 years ago, we recognized in the military that we needed to tell all of our recruits, good job, at least once a month. And he said, now we shoot for about three times a week. And, uh, you know, everybody was in, I guess, stunned silence. And yet, our feelings are much more out there. And people operate not by faith, but by feelings. And I don't feel like going to church. And I don't feel like praising the Lord. And I don't feel like worshiping God. And I really don't feel I'm kind of busy. And I don't feel like doing this. And I don't feel like... And yet, here... If you're going to change, you cannot rely on your feelings. 
You have to say, Lord, I want you to help me because there is the power of the Holy Ghost that can help us change if we let it operate. The problem is that I don't allow the Holy Ghost to operate and I, you say, well, even though it's very, very powerful and I, I can easily hide behind, well, that's not my personality, that's not my uh, makeup, and I don't do that. And, and yet when you look in the word of the Lord, are you telling me that all the people in the word of the Lord had the personality? I mean, Saul, who was Paul, was Saul, raised Saul, became Paul. Are you telling me his personality was to say, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all? I don't know that he would have, as a Jew, ever worried about speaking in tongues. And yet to even say things like, I am the chiefest of sinners. And yet on the other hand, he said, I keep the law. So when we realize that the presence of the Lord comes and it wants to convict us, it wants to touch us, it wants to somehow get in our business. And if I want to ignore it, I can just simply ignore it. I don't have to listen to it. And I can compare myself with everybody else. I thank God I'm not as bad as this one. I thank God I'm not as bad as that one. And you know what? Now, I, don't, I thank God. And, I, and yet, what should be our response when the Lord convicts us is to recognize it is not that I need to justify it. It's not that I need to find a way to prove that it's not that bad. I need to first of all repent and that's what it's all about. And I know that's a strange concept. And I was teaching Brother Seth this week and I, I use the example because, you know, you have to recognize that for the Jews, they believe they are the children of God. Right? They were born, they were Abraham's seed. And so this whole concept of repentance is not in their mindset. In other words, and I, what I told Brother Seth was I said, imagine, Brother Seth, if I told you, listen, you need to ask God to forgive you so that you can be part of the Blake family. I said, you're going to look at me and say, uh, Pastor, I am already part of the Blake family. Why should I repent? And yet when you read what John the Baptist said, repent. What Jesus said, repent. What Simon Peter said, repent. What are they saying? They're saying that we have to be repentant. In fact, what the, the Spirit said to the church at Laodicea says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and what? Repent. In the Amplified Version, it reads it like this. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, 
I tell their faults and convict and convince and reprove and chasten. I discipline and instruct them. So be enthusiastic and in earnest and burning with zeal and repent. Change your mind and attitude. <laughs> That's one of the most foreign things for our society today. You, I want you to tell me how great I am. Not what I've got to do different. Not how I've got to change my attitude. Not how I have to change my... You don't understand, Pastor. We would have a whole lot more people if you would just call everybody champions and they're doing great and nobody's got anything to... But the Word says we have to practice and learn how to repent, how to be honest. Turn the searchlight on and let the Holy Ghost, you know, that's why the, the, the Bible says the Word of God is quick and sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts right in, and it goes, oh, wait a minute, you got something to change there. Oh, you got something. And let me tell you, if you feel like, I don't like going to church, I don't like it, it just seems like I never get it right, thank the Lord. That's the Holy Ghost working on you. The moment you reach the point where you're able to go, yes, I thank God I'm better than everybody else. I am just a conquering champion that never has an issue. Let him that is without sin, if you say you have no sin, the Bible's very clear about that. So, don't ever feel bad when you feel like the Holy Ghost is prompting you to, uh-oh, that attitude. Uh, you say, and, and we read it last week, all of those passages in Galatians and Thessalonians and Ephesians where it talked about love one another and be at peace with one another. And all of us probably should have said, oh me, I can't do it. Not by myself, I can't. But that's why I need the Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel said, Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, every one according to his way, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. And so they shall shall they not be a stumbling block to you. Cast away from you. Throw them away, all your transgressions, which you've transgressed against me. And make you a new mind and a heart and a new spirit. You see, if you no longer see any area in your life that you need to repent for, then you no longer are able to confess. Lord, I did this wrong. If I can't see anything that I've done wrong today, this week, this month, I think I've been better than an average bear. Me and Yogi are okay. Then there's no confession. There's no, you know, sense of confession. And, and the New Testament is very clear. If we say we have no sin, 
If we refuse to admit that we are sinners, we delude and lead ourselves astray, and the truth which the gospel presents is not in us, does not dwell in our hearts. If we freely admit that we have sinned and we, what is it? Confess our sins. He is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises and will forgive our sins and dismiss our lawlessness. And continuously, what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything that is not in conformity to his will and his purpose and thought and action. That verse actually involves you got to think about the fact that I am a sinner. You've got to you got to confess with your mouth. It's got to get in your motion. And you know who's got to do that? You. I can't confess for you. You can't confess for me. I can point out a lot of your sins. I'm pretty good at that. I can see yours. Huh? I can see them in everybody else. Right? Oh, I know, I know what they need to do. I know what they need to do. I know what they... But the point is that true change, if we're going to truly be changing, then it becomes this exercise about getting our mind, our heart, and our will. And, and let me give you a great example of that is in Luke, the 15th chapter. You remember the story. We've all studied it. We've all read it. We understand it. When this young man comes to his father and he basically says, give me my inheritance, divide, give me what is mine. I'm going to go out. I'm going to have a good time. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of obeying the rules, whatever those are. I'm tired of living with my brother. I'm tired of being, putting up with what's going on in the house. I'm tired of being, you know, maybe I don't know what his brother was doing to him, you know, making him do double chores. I don't know how he was being treated. I know I have a pretty good idea that dad was being very good to him. But yet he came and in his arrogance basically said, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. And he left. And what does the Bible say in the 17th chapter, 15th chapter, 17th verse? When he what? Came to himself. What does that mean? He was sitting in a pig pen somewhere. What does it mean he came to himself? He realized, in his mind, he realized, look at me. There's pigs. I don't even like pigs. We can't eat pigs. I'm here fighting. I'm not eating pigs. I'm eating pig food. I'm fighting with pigs for their food. That's how far he had gone. And the Bible said it was a ch he had to come to himself. He had to have a change of mind. And, and then he said, I am perishing of hunger. My father has food enough to spare. I'm perishing of hunger. And then what did he say? 
Huh? What's the four-letter word there? I will. Everybody say will. I don't understand why dad never sent anybody down to look for me. I don't understand. Nobody called me. Nobody came. Nobody prayed for me. Nobody called me up. I haven't been able. I've been out in the pig pen and nobody, nobody. He recognized, you know what? This is on me. I got myself into this. He came to himself. You know, sometimes it's hard to help somebody until they recognize they need help. And that's a whole other part of this story, but basically dad wasn't enabling him. Dad wasn't sending him meals on wheels every day. And I am sure that was hard on dad. Where's my youngest son? I want to keep helping him. I'll bail him out. I'll bail him out. I'll bail him out. Been hard for me not to do it. But what did he say? He let him alone. The guy came to himself and then he said, I will what? Get up and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you and in your sight. And then I will humble myself. Now that was a big emotional transformation. This is the same young man that earlier in the chapter said, just give me what's mine. You, you got your, you like this. I don't need that. You want that. I don't want that. But uh, uh, uh. Now he's coming back saying, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Major emotional humility, humbling transformation. Look, just make me a servant. Now, <clears throat> the powerful part of the story and we all know it is that while he was a long way off what was the father doing all this time waiting anticipating when's he going to come back looking out I wonder if he's coming where, where could he be he had been no doubt had people that let him know He's, he's on his way. We think we saw him on the road. We think we saw him in the next town over. I think he's headed that way. And as soon as he saw him, he was moved with what? Pity and tenderness. And he ran and embraced him, kissed him, put a ring on his finger, put shoes on his feet. Oh, Repentance involves your mind, your heart, and your will. It's not enough just to, and the Bible talks about it, and I don't, I, I know, you know, it talks about Esau cried and prayed 
and, and sought God carefully but wasn't repentant. But when you read the story back in Genesis, he wasn't truly repentant. What he had said, uh, he said, uh, cried, Dad, give me a blessing. And he purposed in his heart as soon as his dad was dead, he was going to kill Jacob. That's not very repentant. It wasn't very humbling. Repentance involves no longer rationalizing, no longer justifying, no longer making excuses, no more comparisons with what others are doing or saying. It's genuine sorrow, godly sorrow. It's open confession of sin, restitution when possible. And I know we don't often talk about that, but when you read what Zacchaeus and so many did, they, they turned around and restored those things that they had done that were wrong and stolen and things that they had done. They made them right. Maintaining a connection or accountability to the body and understanding that Romans 6, that being dead to sin doesn't mean that my flesh is no longer with me, nor does it mean that I have sinless perfection, but rather that I am dead to the power of sin. I have a new landlord. What does that mean? If you're renting a house, what does it mean to have a new landlord? If you're renting a house and you have one landlord and all of a sudden the landlord gets bought out, the old landlord can't come back in and say, I want you to do this and that. You're able to look at that attitude and spirit and the enemy when he tries to tell you what you've got to do and say, wait a minute, I got a new landlord. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus, I'm sorry, you don't have the power to make me do that. I may feel like you've, I, well, you've done that for years. You've gone down, you've had a drink, you've done this, you've had this addiction. But guess what? I got a new landlord and he tells me I don't have to obey you. Greater is he that is in me. So when you stop and think, about transformation it's that continual willingness to say Lord I need you and then and I know this may sound somewhat redundant but making a daily commitment to choose to obey his will choosing to obey his will you know so when you get up in the morning you say Lord I want to do the will of God today a lot of times we get up, we just, okay, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do something else. And I, But if I would just take a couple of moments and pray and say, Lord, let me do your will today. I want to do your will all day long. You would be surprised recognizing he's the new landlord, how much that would change you. says that sense of First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, for this is the will of God, that you should be consecrated, which means separated and set apart for pure and holy living, 
that you should abstain and shrink from all sexual vice, that each of you should know how to possess or control and manage his own body in consecration, purity, separated from things profane and honor, not to be used in the passion of lust like the heathen who are ignorant of the true God and have no knowledge of his will, that no man transgress and defraud his brother in this manner of business or in any manner. For the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we've already warned you and solemnly and told you plainly for God has not called us to impurity but to consecration to dedicate ourselves to the most thorough purity. Therefore, whoever disregards, sets aside and rejects this disregards not man but God. And that's why, you know, I've had people tell me, well, Pastor, I knew what you would tell me, but I don't want to, I, I knew what you would say. Let me tell you, you're not, I'm not keeping the books. I can't say, come on in. And are you saying it's as bad? I'm not saying anything. This is, you were called to set aside and reject all of that. And he goes on and he talks, and I didn't even write it all down, all about brotherly love. I, I don't have to be, I taught you that you should love one another. And yet, I recognize that our world is changing. And I, I used to talk to my own grandfather, who was born in 1910, and lived to 2003, 93 years. And it was hard for me to imagine the transformation and the changes and the things in the world. And I would ask him, what about this? And what about that? And when you were growing up, the amazing amount of changes. Well, let me just tell you, it's going much faster now. I Things are changing so quickly. The first time my wife and I went to Australia, we could not even contact our children, our family. We waited one night. We paid an exorbitant amount of money and went to a phone booth, but you couldn't get an international call. You couldn't take or make an international call from just any phone. Landline. You had to go to a special post office, phone booth. They connected you with an international. You sent a postcard, you beat them home. And we went on a plane. 25, 30 years before we went, you went by boat. It wasn't until the 70s that even the island of Fiji had anything but boat traffic. What are you saying? Except whenever the war came and they were landing there with, all, all I'm saying is the transformation. And then of course, I used to read the comics. My dad was kind. He had been his pastor told him he couldn't read them, but he let me read them. He was getting liberal, I guess, at that point. We still had to use a 
spinner, no dice, still didn't touch dice. And he wouldn't let me have candy cigarettes either. That was a no-no. But there was a cop by the name of Dick Tracy. He had a two-way communicator on his wrist. Every once in a while, I just dial something right here so I can feel like Dick Tracy. Anybody have one of these on their wrist like Dick Tracy? I'll call my dad now and he'll say, I'm on my phone, watch, hold on, I'm looking for my phone. I'm thinking, man, that was in the comic strips. Siobhan asked me the other day, what was your favorite author when you were a kid? I started thinking, and I was like, I think maybe Jules Verne. She goes, Jules Verne? What did he write? I said, oh, things like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, I saw that movie. I saw that movie. I was like, it wasn't a movie. It was a book. We imagined it all. Imagine the media, the travel, the personal communication, the changes in morality and technology. But in the midst of all of that, do you know that God still wants to change me to be like him? We sing it, to be like Jesus be like Jesus on earth I long we have an entire world and the world we want we want the world to change to accept me the way I am huh I want my feelings get hurt I want you to be nice if I need if I need to carry my little dog with me on the airplane, I want you not to stop me if I need to, huh? And I, I'm not trying to be mean to these people, but at some point, that's, I'm sorry, folks. God didn't fill me with the Holy Ghost for me to try to change the Holy Ghost or to change the Bible to fit me. He wants the Bible and the Word to transform me. And until you get that mindset, Lord, you need to change me. Lord, I want you to change me. Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to choose every day to be transformed. Romans 6 chapter, he said, you have to consider yourself dead to sin but alive to God. Then he said, don't let sin rule as king in your mortal bodies. Don't yield to its cravings. Don't be subject to its lust and evil passion. Don't continually offer or yield your bodily members. You have to choose to offer and yield yourself to God as though you've been raised from the dead. Every day, 
If you really want to have lasting change, you got to get up and say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad. Lord, I'm going to choose to serve you today. I want to be like you today. I want to do your will today. You say, well, he knows that. I told him that 20 years ago. You have to yield, offer, present. Paul goes on, listen to this. Romans, the 16th, 6th chapter and the 16th verse. Listen to what he says. If you continually surrender yourself to anyone to do his will, you are the slaves of him who you obey, whether to sin that leads to death or obedience that leads to righteousness. You have to realize every day I'm going to choose to serve the Lord. I want to choose to be more like him. I want to choose. You say, oh, that's hard. I know. I understand. And the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, it's going to be harder. And and yet the Lord said, I know your, your human terms, your natural limitation. For as you yielded your bodily members as servants to impurity and ever increasing lawlessness, so now yield your bodily members once for all as servants to righteousness, which leads to sanctification. And the key thing is here, it is, you have to recognize it is a walk. And, and has anybody ever been on a walk? Walks are amazing things. I sit down and I think about a walk all the time. I think about how it will be to walk around the block, how it will be to walk around the house, walk down the path. I just think about it. Is that walking? Do you get there by thinking about it? I just think about it. I just pray about it. Lord, if you want me to walk, just let my legs and feet just get up and take off. I'm willing, Lord, to whatever you want to do, I'm just willing to. Could I have another donut? Does it work that way? Huh? No. Pastor, you look like you need to walk. I get it. (laughs) Got to get up. Put my shoes on, put one foot, then another, then another, huh? Okay, that's far enough, that's good. I've done enough for today, I'll go back, huh? If I'm going to walk every day, and you'll read what it says, transformation is not a run, it's not how fast, the race is not to the swift, huh? 
but it's walking every day. Romans the eighth chapter, walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Galatians five, two different verses, walk in the spirit. Ephesians four, walk worthy. Ephesians four seventeen, walk not as other Gentiles. Fifth chapter of Ephesians, walk in love. Eighth chapter, walk as children of the light. Fifth chapter and the fifteenth verse, walk circumspectly, walk ye in him. And I didn't even put them all. And it's walk, 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 walk walk. If you've ever been here on a Tuesday night prayer meeting, we've got some that'll walk and walk, and I'm thankful for that. I, I try to walk some as well, but oh, it's just too hilly. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too wet. It's too rainy. It's too sunny. Wind's blowing too much. My wife always finding, she's here tonight, she's always finding some article. Look here, honey, I read that if you'll walk 10 minutes after you eat, it will decrease your whatever. And I say, honey, 10 minutes after I eat, I want to snooze. I don't want to walk. Walk, 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 walk daily. Just putting one foot in front of the other. Lord, help me today. Lord, be with me today. Isaiah said it like this. And mine eyes will hear the word behind me saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. I asked Caitlin and David, well, you all read all the books about childbirth. Was it any different than going through it? And David answered first, no, it was about, and I, I said, what about you, Caitlin? She was picking her jaw off the floor. It was unbelievable. Yes, it was different. Huh? It's one thing when you talk about it, read about it. It's another thing when you go through it and experience it. What are you saying? I'm, every night I read about running a marathon and I don't know, it hasn't made me a bit fit. I'm still struggling, being overweight. It's not enough to read about it. It's not enough to watch a documentary about running, <laughs> walking, huh? You got to get up and do it. And most folks can walk a little bit. 
Hebrews the fourth chapter, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest, you should come short of it. For what are you saying? This is the gospel that was preached unto you as well as unto them, but the word that preached did not profit them. Why? They did not mix it with a certain element. And what was that element? Faith. It's not enough to hear it unless you have the faith to act on it. The faith to keep believing. The faith to keep doing it. And that's where the enemy tries to come in. Oh, you've tried this before. You've prayed before. Your family hasn't made any change before. There's no use continuing. You've been through this. You've been around this block a hundred times now. You haven't lost a pound. You've been walking. You've been walking for a week. You've been walking for a month. You've been... Keep the faith. Lord, you promised in your word you're going to change me. I've fallen now another seven times, but I'm going to keep getting up. I still have the faith. If and while we were yet sinners, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. I read this Sunday morning. We were reconciled to God through the death of his son, but we are saved through the, through the resurrection life. So in other words, it's that daily walk that brings salvation. It's that daily walk. That's why Paul said to, in Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. By grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? The gift of the Holy Ghost, and it's that stirring it up. Old Testament Isaiah said, Every, even everyone that is called by my name, I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. I have made him. First Peter said, you should show forth the praises of him that's called you out of marvelous light. Romans says, faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? By the word. You remember the father one time that the Lord asked, hey, if you believe, what did he say? Lord, I believe, but help my Unbelief. Go ahead, the next slide there. I'm sorry, the last one. Then what did he say? One of the time, the disciples, he said, if you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, what did they say? Lord, increase our faith. How do I increase my faith? Put the word, hear the word, read another verse, listen to the word, put on a sermon. We now have access we have access, you know, I remember when cassette tape ministry, man, that was the thing because you could hear sermons that were preached all over America. When I came here 18 years ago, we had 10 billion and four, and that was after Brother Tim Neustrand took about a billion. Down in the basement, I had Brother Matthew White go through and we weeded out a bunch. We still got cassette tapes down there. 
And then it was videotapes. And then it was, oh, reel to reel we had even. Oh, it, we had cassettes. Now HG radio, now YouTube. Now I can put on the best scriptures. I can hear it. But it's not enough just to hear it unless I mix it with a little bit of faith. If I believe the word, the word said, hey, the Lord said, I can do this. I can be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. I can be transformed. And yet I understand society now, none of us, but the real question is, will it be okay for me to come here to church and not cross anything up with me. And I understand people have done and said things that were horrible and we try to be nice and respectful. And I'm not talking about being mean to people, but let me just tell you something. Most of us need to have a transformation in our soul. And it's not about what do I th say. It's about what does the word say. Have I heard preachers get out of the word? Sure. Have I heard them preach on things that were not there? Yes. But at the same time, this is where I will be judged. Lord, I want to increase my faith. I want to be transformed. Don't you? Hallelujah. Let's stand. Appreciate all of you being here. I know we've got several down at camp. Next week is junior high camp. A lot going on. Donuts with dads this Saturday, Sunday morning. Bring your father. Have a donut. If you don't have a dad, adopt a dad. Find my dad, Brother Don, somebody, Brother Britton, Brother Reagan, Brother Cawthorn, say, hey, be my dad for a moment. I want to sit with you. Huh? I want you to be my father. Brother Mike Britton, he, he needs about six more kids. Find a dad. Brother Galoni, say, be my dad. <clears throat> Brother George, be my dad. <clears throat> Brother Hoskinson, be my dad. Sing bass. Hallelujah. <laughs>